Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. All right, John 18. John 18, verse 37 and 38. This is Jesus on his way to the cross, and he's standing before the court of Pilate. This is Jesus on his way to the cross, and he's, he's, uh, he's heading towards the crucifixion, and he's standing before Pilate, the, the Roman authority in the land. And this is what, in the conversation, this is what Jesus says in verse 37. John 18, verse 37. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world. Who is this talking? Who is it? Jesus. It's him talking. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And then Pilate said to him, love this question, Pilate said to him, what is truth? I'm telling you, we've got to answer that question today. In the generation in which we live, truth is all over the place. We need to answer this question, what is truth? And listen to me, I believe by the Spirit of God that this Pilate is the highest authority, or he was the highest political authority uh, in that district, in that area for those people. And if he's asking the question, what is truth? That tells me everybody's asking the question, what is truth? And today, we have a whole world that is asking, what is truth? truth. And as I prayed about what to teach uh, today, I felt like the Lord just drew me to this scripture. What is truth? And I love how Pilate then answered or or then spoke and said, uh, said to him, I find no fault in him. That phrase, uh, if you're if you're a student, I would underline that phrase, I find no fault in him at all. Pilate said that three times um, about Jesus. I find no fault in him. And here's my question to you. Do you find fault in Jesus? Is there some reason you don't think he's Lord? Is there some reason, something you find fault in him about that you don't believe his truth? Three times, Pilate said, I find no fault. So here's here's the thing I want you to see. The skeptic's statement of truth is we cannot know truth with absolute certainty. That's how a skeptic thinks. We can't know truth. And in our world, there's skepticism that's at work. And people saying, well, you can't make a truth claim. You, there is, we don't know truth with absolute certainty. That's a skeptic's mindset. Then you have the postmodernist statement of truth that says there is no absolute truth. So just think about this. The postmodernist says, makes a statement saying, saying there is no absolute truth. I mean, look at that statement. You see it. There is no absolute truth. Well, if you follow the mindset, then why would I believe that statement? Why would I believe a statement of truth that says there is no absolute truth? Why would I believe that statement to be true if I take that mindset? It's ridiculous. And then you have the the Christian's statement of truth. A true statement matches reality. Listen, McFly, it ain't that hard. A true statement matches reality. It matches reality. And so think about it this way. (laughs) You know, that facts are true. So if I told you, if I, or if somebody said to me, if somebody said to me, Pastor John, you're 40 years old. 
I would say thank you for your effort. But that's not a true statement. And you can say something that you believe is sincere. You can be sincere about it. And you can be actually convicted about it, passionate about it, excited about it. Pastor John, you're 40 years old. I would say that was true about nine years ago. But if you said that today, it's not true. And although I look like I'm 35, (laughs) the truth is I'm 49. And so you could make a statement, Pastor John, you look, man, whoo, looking good. You look about 180. <laughs> why is that funny? I don't understand. <laughs> Lauren, why, why is that funny? <laughs> so even though this is faith center, we'd all like to speak that in faith. You can't use faith to back up something that's not true. Pastor John ain't 180. Pastor John in middle school was 180. Now it's more like 220, because that's my favorite verse, Galatians 220. <laughs> I love what Rick Clinton said one time. Somebody asked him, say, you know, they asked, hey, Rick Clinton, how old are you? I mean, how much do you weigh, Rick? How much do you weigh? He said, about, about, about 200, none of your business. So, but even in simple things like that, you can't make a statement to be, if it's not true, it's not true. If it's not true, it's not true. No matter how many times you say it, and no matter how you say it, no matter who says it, Pastor John is not 40, and Pastor John is not 180. It's just not true. It's not true. And this this Resurrection Sunday morning, I feel like God wants to remind us of truth. What is truth? And and this word truth here, you see it on your notes, truth is aletheia, which is a Greek word for truth, and it means factual reality, the opposite of illusion. 40 pounds, I mean 40 years, illusion. 180 pounds, illusion. And there's many illusions or delusions that we have opened up to in our world and in our society, not just in the world, guys, but even in the church. We've opened up to things and we need to get called back to truth. And Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't say, I am a truth. He said, I am the truth. I am the truth. And he's not, you know, he's not saying I'm just one of many truths. He's like, I am the truth. Truth. Truth is a person that is backed up by, by facts and backed up by eternal evidence. The scripture goes on to say in John uh, 16 that it says that actually three different times he talks about the spirit of truth who will guide you into all truth. So I want you to circle that word in your notes. Circle Jesus and then circle um, spirit, the spirit of truth. And then that last dot, it says, sanctify them by your truth. And this is Jesus praying. He says, sanctify them, ultimately talking about us. Set them apart. Use them. Set them apart. That's what sanctify means. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is true. Circle the word word. So now we have three testimonies to truth. Jesus, who is the truth the spirit of truth, which is the spirit of Jesus, and the word of truth, which is scripture, which is your Bible. So we have three testimonies of truth, Jesus, the spirit, and the word. And and if you flip over on your notes, you'll see pretty quickly that what is the proof or evidence of this truth statement? How do we believe this to be true? Why do I believe Jesus? Why Why do I believe his spirit? 
Why do I believe his word? There's other holy books. There's other religions. There's other things. Why do I believe Jesus over Buddha? Why do I believe Jesus over every other religion? Because Jesus is true. And why? Why do I know it's true? What's the evidence? What's the proof? The resurrection. That's what sets apart from everybody else and everything else, the resurrection. Because if he was not resurrected from the dead, then you just throw your Bible away. It doesn't mean anything. The resurrection is the greatest proof. Some of you are searching. Some of you are looking, saying, I want to know if God is true. I want to know if he's true. I'm searching different religions. I'm searching for meaning and purpose in life. I'm searching. And some of y'all searched in money. Some of y'all searched in business. Some of y'all searched in relationship. Some of y'all searched in drugs and all kinds of stuff. You searched in history. You searched in whatever. But the greatest evidence of truth The greatest evidence of truth is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He rose from the grave. It's the greatest evidence. It says in Scripture in Acts 1 verse 3, After his suffering, he presented himself uh, to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the things of the kingdom of God. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3. Man, this is good stuff. For what I, this is the Apostle Paul talking. For what I received, I passed on to you as, as of first importance. That Christ, meaning Jesus Christ, died for our sins. And look at that phrase, underline that phrase, according to the scriptures. It's not just that he died for our sins, he died fulfilling the prophecies of scripture. According to the scriptures. So how do I know the scriptures are true? Because his death is written about in the scriptures and his fulfillment of that. He, he is the fulfillment of scriptures. So how do I know the Bible is true? Because Jesus fulfilled it in his death, his burial, his resurrection. So he died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried that he, and then uh, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Caiaphas, which is Peter, and then to the twelve. And then, after that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. And most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, not just to twelve, but now we're talking about the 120, all the apostles, and at last he appeared to me. That's what Paul's saying. And I'm telling you, I could preach this for another hour and a half, no problem. The resurrected king who defeated death, hell, and the grave appeared to his disciples after he was dead. Appeared to Caiaphas, appeared to the twelve. And then over 500 people, over 500 people in one place at one time saw Jesus alive after he was dead. And then Paul adds to it, and he said it all biblically, I'm going to say it practically, maybe with a little flash of ghetto in it. What he said, and, and Pookie and them are still here today, you can go ask. You can go ask them if you, they're still alive today, go ask them if you doubt it. Over 500 people, one time, one place, saw Jesus alive after he was dead, and you can go ask them. 
Then he appeared to James and then the rest of the apostles. And then, and then here's what Paul's saying. Then he appeared to me. Because the, the, Paul wasn't always Paul. Paul used to be called Saul. Saul, is, Saul was someone who knew the Bible, but he was an enemy to the cross of Christ. He did not believe in Jesus Christ. And so Saul, Saul who later became Paul, but when he was Saul, he was an enemy. He was a persecutor and a murderer, and he would, he would hunt down Christians and have them thrown in jail, have them harassed, have them murdered. Because they named, because they believed Christ. Because they believed in the resurrected king. So their faith cost him something. And then one day, Paul's on the road to Damascus, and Jesus appears to him. And that's why he says he appeared to me. Jesus appeared to him. And so Saul, seeing the resurrected king, what made a murderer a minister? What made someone who would be against the church and and hurting and, and harassing people suddenly come into the faith? What was it? He saw the resurrected king. He saw the greatest proof and the greatest evidence that there is that Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead. And when he did, he surrendered his life to him and said, God, use me for your glory. And God used him to write two thirds of our New Testament. And I believe what God is doing for some of us right now by His Spirit, He's been working on this all week long, and today is the touchdown. That for some of you, it's time for you to believe the truth and believe the evidence. Stop playing around and stop messing around. There's some that are coming who's already believed in the resurrected Christ. See, to be a Christian, the Bible gives us two requirements. One, it says you have to believe that Jesus is Lord. Not a Lord of many, but the Lord. Number two, that God raised him from the dead. Because when God raised him from the dead, there is no greater proof. There is no greater evidence. There is no greater, greater uh, you know, proof of, of truth. And so in that, in that, what, what happens, happens with all those people that I just mentioned, it happened with Saul, changed him from Saul to Paul. And I love this phrase. Oh, I love this phrase. You've seen it all the time. That in every Paul, and Paul represents Christians, so in every Paul, there used to be a Saul. But in every Saul, in every, in every sinner Saul, there's a potential Paul. And guys, I'm going to tell you, that phrase, he appeared to me too. Do you remember the time when you, when it came into your mind and in your heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead? And here I want the worship team to come up. But do you remember when he came and you saw, you just believed in your heart. You believed in your heart and you knew, you knew that God raised him from the dead. That's him appearing to you. I will never forget when he appeared to me. I'll never forget when finally my stubborn, selfish, sinful, distracted, squirrel heart picked up on and saw that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. And here's what happened. John Aiken at that day surrendered to truth. And when I surrendered to the truth, the truth set me free. I'm not talking about a theory. I'm talking about something I know. And many of you know the same thing. That the greatest decision you could ever make in your life is not to join a church. The greatest decision you could make in your life is to connect yourself to Christ. And to believe in truth. I'll never forget, I'll never forget when I prayed 
I believed in my heart, and I, I then confessed with my mouth through prayer, and I prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. He's Lord, but Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. And that through believing in his death, in his burial, and his resurrection doesn't make me religious. It reconciles my relationship with him. So he died my death. That, that the burial, the burial of, of him being buried in a tomb is my burial. And then his resurrection is my resurrection. And then he changes. He, he, the resurrected Jesus, then lives inside of me and changes my life. See, here's what happens first. He appears to you. And here's what happens second. He makes appearances through you. And now the second greatest joy in my life, first one is, is receiving Jesus. Second one is showing him. And let me tell you what happens in this church all the time. People coming out of all kinds of lifestyles, like Brandon here, for example, coming up late and slow. God still loves him. God still loves him. And it doesn't matter what lifestyle you've come out of, the Lord will love you, the Lord will heal you, the Lord will redeem you, the Lord will forgive you, and the Lord, if you'll let him, the Lord will use you for his glory to go back into that lifestyle and pull other people out. So all the ones being baptized today, guarantee you God's going to use them to reach other people. Matter of fact, here's what I'd like to do. Everyone who's going to be baptized, you're already here, and you're, you've already registered, and you've, you're going to be baptized. Come sit up along the stage, please. They're coming from upstairs and stuff. Yeah, come sit up on the stage. I know it's all fun and games till the pastor makes you sit in front of everybody. Y'all just come sit. Don't be shy. Don't be scared. It's all right. Ben. We're going to have to hold Ben down extra long. Make sure all the sin gets out. Every one of these lives has a story. Every one of these lives has a story of faith. Every one of them. And we don't have time to go through and listen to all the stories, but there is a commitment, there's a faith walk. Every one of these lives has a story where they believe Jesus is Lord, that God has raised him from the dead, and they're ready to walk through the doorway of water baptism, which is a funeral service, which is burying the old you. Burying the, burying the one that was born in sin. Burying the old you. And walking in the resurrection of Christ. Now water baptism does not save you. But it's the very next step for the person who is saved. And I feel like God has already spoken to me and already confirmed it through others. That there's many of you that are here today. And I think it's a lot. I don't think it's a little. I honestly think it's, it's, it's more than just a few. That you're here today, and if you were to be honest, you would say, I'm distant from God. My heart has been dull, and I've probably believed some lies. And you've been running from God. You've been playing games. And on this Resurrection Sunday, you know in your heart God is speaking to you. Just like He spoke to them, and they made a decision to obey God, to say, you know what? I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm going to change directions by faith. Changing direction doesn't mean you won't ever, doesn't mean that every question will be answered, doesn't mean that every problem will be solved. 
Doesn't mean you'll never have pain. Doesn't mean you'll never have trials. What it means is you have chosen to follow Jesus through the temporary life and trials and temptations of this temporary world unto eternity. And you'll never be alone again. So every one of you, no matter what struggles and temptations you face, you'll never be alone again. And the moment, the very second after you're baptized, because of your obedience to Christ through water baptism, you have spiritual authority. Anytime any of the temptations from your past rise up against you, you have spiritual authority to look at them and say, alcohol, no more. Addiction, no more. Fear, no more. Anxiety, no more. And you can take authority. You can take authority through Christ, through his resurrection power over everything trying to take authority over you. And I just believe there's some of you here that God's been talking to you, he's been whispering to you, he's been throwing you hints, and you've been sitting there like, like just it's going right over your head. But right now, you know he's speaking to you, you know he's like dialed you in, and you feel like you're the only one in this room right now that I'm talking to, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And you need to make a commitment before him and respond. And if your heart says, oh, I'll do it later, stop lying to yourself. God is, God is madly in love with you and he gave his son so that you wouldn't have to die, so that you wouldn't have to live separate from him, so that you wouldn't be alone, so he would show you the right way. He would lead you into truth. He'd guide you into truth and that his truth would set you free from all the lies that you thought were true. And what, how we do it here at this church, just in case you didn't know, we're real. We're real. Sometimes not pretty, but we're real. And I want to see if anybody in this room says, you know what, I got to quit running. I got to quit playing. God is speaking to me about surrendering my life to Christ. And I don't even know how to do it. I don't know, what, I don't know how to act in church. Forget all that. If you're like, Pastor John, that's me. And I sense him and I feel him and I need to surrender my life to Jesus and I know it. Then I want you to respond in faith and be courageous and I want you to stand up and come up here and join these people right now. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.